Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I am so excited you're joining us today. Uh, this podcast exists because words matter, and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, on a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen, we hope to challenge you and encourage you to communicate in healthy ways. Because we know when you do, when you value healthy communication, your world will change for the better and you will change someone else's world. Well, today I am so incredibly excited. We have uh, an incredible communicator, incredible speaker, comedian, leader on the podcast, someone who's I've followed along for a while. I'm I'm a bit uh, of of a fan, and so I don't want to get you know too too crazy, but really appreciate uh, following them as they communicate, and I've learned so much from them. But like I said, he's a comedian, he's a speaker, and he's one of our keynote speakers at the Speakers Conference in March, and I'm humbled that he is going to be a part. Mike Goodwin, welcome to the Speak with People podcast. Jason, thank you for having me. Good communication is oxygen. That's incredible, man. That's a that's a great line. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, it's so great to see you. Uh, thanks for you know before Christmas uh, spending some time with us. I hope you know your Christmas planning is going great. Do you have any? Um, are you are you traveling anymore before the end of the year? Or are you? I am. I actually have uh, an event tomorrow morning, so I'll I'll be heading out this afternoon. Then I have something this weekend. I won't wrap up until the twenty second. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, and you live in a part of the world where uh, I want to visit someday because I'm one of the uh, biggest fans of Hootie and the Blowfish. And oh yeah. Hootie and Blowfish are pretty uh, pretty important around your your uh, your area. So <laughs> they are. Yeah, they went to the University of South Carolina, and, and Darius Rucker. He is a tremendous fan. I don't know about the Blowfish. I think they are. <laughs> but, uh, Hootie is definitely. <laughs> giving out free concerts when we win big games. And, uh-huh. Uh, we do have – it's actually funny. We had a, a minor league team called the Blowfish. They were like oh. uh, the Lexington Blowfish. So their wow. legend continues to extend <laughs> beyond musical exploits. It, it continues. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm such a fan. Last January, my wife and I went to Cancun, Mexico, where they hosted their first ever Hootie Fest. So oh, I'm – I'm in that category. Oh, you're a fan fan. Like you're <laughs> a fan cube. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I get it. I love it. Well, hey, before we kind of jump into the questions, maybe you could just give us, you know, a little bit about yourself, what you what you do, your family, all that kind of stuff. Right. I'm a, a refreshingly funny comedian and keynote speaker. <laughs> Michael Goodwin. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm the husband of one wife. Mm. I have two children <laughs> and uh, my children. I have a 16 year old daughter. That causes me to pray regularly. And I have a 12-year-old son that causes me to drink regularly. No, <laughs> uh, but I do I do stand up full-time. I've been at it for 10 years. And I work primarily in churches, corporate arenas, and mm. clubs. And, and my goal is just to make or leave places better than the way that I found them. Oh, I love that. And and correct me if I'm wrong, before that, were you a teacher? Yeah, so I worked, I was a college counselor at a private okay. school. But I, so when you work at a private school, everybody has a class. <laughs> yes. You will teach. So That's right. I was in education. I worked, actually, I worked at the University of South Carolina before taking this job at uh, an Episcopal high school here, where well, it was a K3 through 12. So it was it was all ages. And I worked there. 
um, for eight years while I was building my comedy career mm. on the side. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, kind of diving in. Today's podcast is all about the world of laughter, the power of laughter. How does it specifically play a role in our communication? How can we embrace it? Uh, if we're stage communicators, how can we help people laugh? If we have friends and family who don't like to laugh, how can we be close to them? So just kind of jumping into the first question, uh, when did you know, like, take us back in time. When did you know that you had the ability to uh, make someone laugh or help someone laugh? Did it come naturally? Did you, did you have to work at it? Take us back in time for that. That's a great question, and it's not a question that people are prepared for mostly because they're smiling <laughs> and they're happy. It's not a happy story, right? So <laughs> I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. Mm. My parents were um, argumentative and very combative with one another, and they mm. were—I mean, it was regularly. It was regularly, and I'm the oldest of three. And so this one particular time, I, I'm, I'm eight at the time, and I'm—you know—it it was kind of like the same routine. They would get into the arguments. My brother, sister, and I would 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 cry and then ask him to stop. So this particular time, my father, you know, he leaves and my mother goes to prepare dinner. Like you know, that was just a regular run of the meal uh, evening. And so in that in that moment, I I realized that something needed to happen. Like it was very tense in my home, mm. and my mother was you know still upset. And I really had the thought of, hey man, I need to do something to make my mother laugh like mm. that was the thought that that came into my little eight-year-old brain because physically I could not do anything I could not stop what was happening it was very um it was very frustrating and it was very mm. traumatizing the way right. but it, it, it was it was one of those things of like you're eight and you're trying to grapple with why wow. does this continue to happen right yeah but I have the type of brain that I cannot be sad long. Like mm. I don't really. My brain is like, uh, what's the movie Up? Where it's mm -hmm. like squirrel. You know, <laughs> I, I'm very easily <laughs> distracted. So here we are. The, you know, my brother, sister, I, we upset. My mom's upset. My dad's left. And I said, man, I got to do something to make my mother laugh. And I did some silly thing. I really don't remember what it was. Yep. But it broke the tension in my home. Mm. It made my mother laugh. And I made a mental note that anytime they get into an argument, I would go into my stuff. And so I would go into, you know, telling little jokes, doing little silly things. And I got so good at it that when, like, I knew I was really doing well when my dad, if he didn't leave, he would be in his room and we would be laughing in the front. And he would yell from the back, what's all that noise going on? I was like, oh, man, I'm chilling the night, man. Right. <laughs> It's rocking and rolling. So that was my first wow insight of, hey man, I have something. I have the ability to shift the way that an atmosphere or uh, how people are feeling in a moment. Mm. Boy, I love that. I just love that. What? How do you? How? How important do you think laughter is in our everyday lives? Like, it, it's it's vitally important. I, I think that. The thing I, I often say on stage to folks, I say that um, you have to be deliberate about joy, laughter, mm. all these things, because sorrow doesn't care about your schedule. Like <laughs> sorrow doesn't send you an email and say, wow. hey, man, tomorrow morning, 
is going down. So you need to be ready. So I, my thought is, if your joy tank is constantly filled, mm. you can navigate through life life difficult. It's wow. Life difficult. Like it's a difficult endeavor to navigate through life. So I think that I think that joy and laughter can be a fuel to get us, you know, to the places that we desire to be. Wow. You you probably come across this, but have there been uh, family members or friends or coworkers in your life who you know, they see that you've put such a high value on laughter and joy and helping others. Uh, and maybe they don't, they don't share the same, you know, value in that. And so they kind of downplay it. How, how have you, you know, A, have you come across those kind of people? And then B, how have you dealt with them or, you know, tried to help them, you know, or, you know, cross the bridge with them kind of thing? Oh, most definitely. Negative yeah. people are in everybody's family. They're not just my family. They <laughs> run the world. They, yep. they, they just regenerate. I, I don't I don't know. You know, what's interesting to me. There's so many, but there's so many categories of people that fall into that. Yes. Into that type of description, right? So they, there's people that are in my family. So that I'll, I'll answer the family question. Like, so for instance, I have a number of pastors in my family. And mm. when I first started doing my comedy, they were like, hey, man, I can bring you to my church and talk to the youth. And I'm like, no, I'm not talking to the youth. I'm doing adult material. I'm a married man. I have a mortgage. We pay for life insurance. I'm not talking to the youth. So that was one of the ways in which, you know, try to minimize it. Yes. And one of the other things that I, I and I made it a goal <laughs> because when you start doing something like stand up, you'll you'll run into folks and they're like, hey man, are you still doing your little comedy? Like I, no one <laughs> right. in any other phase of my life. I was in the military. Nobody was uh. ever like, hey man, you're still doing your little army deal for the government. Like they never asked them, hey man, wow. you still married to your wife? Like they don't. <laughs> do those things they right are you right. still doing so i wanted to be so successful that people would stop asking me that question wow and that was kind of a, a driving wow a driving a motivator for me another thing that people would do is you having a conversation with some stranger and they were like <laughs> hey what do you do i'm a comedian say something funny <laughs> like no <laughs> i'm not gonna say right. anything funny and if you pay attention I'm going to say something funny. Like <laughs> if you, you right asking me to do the thing I'm going to do if we right. just had a conversation. Right. Right. Exactly. But when you say, say something funny. Now I'm like, ah, this is not the uh, food court at the mall. Like I'm not giving samples to, <laughs> I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying right. to convert you. Right. I'm just going along with my life. And you're like, hey, right. say something, make me laugh. <laughs> Perform. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so good. I, I contend. So I was a pastor for 26 years and then I stepped out, uh, this, this, uh, last summer and started speak with people are, I do speaking and then communication coaching and all, all through those years, you know, I would, you know, interweave stories and, you know, just laughter and fun, but I would run across some, uh, you know, believers who were just like, "Mm, you know, 
your, your message was great, except for that laughter. Like we got to get right. real serious when we talk about this stuff. And I contend right. that laughter is actually deep. Like in order, you've got to get through lots of layers of hurt and pain and sadness in order to just live this life where I can enjoy it and laugh and experience joy. And that's why I just appreciate, you know, leaders like yourself who help people do that. Uh, it's and just huge for me. The interesting part about that, joy is right on the other side of pain, right? So the same thing that oh. makes you cry with some distance and time is right. the same thing that will make you laugh. Right. And so there's this, there's this duality of emotion because here's other thing I contend about living a full life, right? A full life is not just happiness. Like you have right. to know what sadness is to experience happiness. You have That's to right. know what anger is to experience calm, you know? So I think that joy and laughter is just another color on Oof. the beautiful portrait that I'm creating for my life. And it's a big part of it. But wow. It's, it's an element of all of it, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to appreciate the blues without the reds, without the greens, without the yellows. Yep. And so when you just shut down, I don't use purple. Why? Right. Right. Oh. I've had people come to me at the end of the show. Yo, you you good. You made me laugh. Oh, <laughs> me, I, I don't mess around. I don't laugh. Why? Why? Who hurt you? And what damage do you need to be healed from yep. to freely laugh like you mm. can just laugh and then there, here's the other issue too like so in a show you'll have someone that's laughing loudly but they are embarrassed because they've been told right not to laugh so hey let's not be so uh let's not be so enthusiastic let's not be so demonstrative with your laughter why not it's a comedy show that's right this is the very place. Right. This is be at home. Uh, but those same people, I wonder if they're fans of a, a sports team and do they sit there and with right. the team just first down? That right. Was a very great play that right. touched out. Like, no, you're like, no, <laughs> first down. You know, you high fiving. Uh -huh. like, Come on, man. That's right. Come on, uh. man. And then there's so many scriptures that talk about the joy of the Lord. Like I, yes. Does that dis, you know, that this uh disqualify laughter? <laughs> laughter is not calm. And then, you know, I think when you say comedy, I and I tell people this, I say all the time, comedy is like money. It's mm. neutral. It's what you choose to do with comedy. The issue is people come into comedy with uh subjective experiences. Like mm. so I'm saying, if we say the word comedian, the listeners are gonna have a person in their brain. They're not, they're not just gonna say, oh, comedian is a word like tree. Like you yep. have a particular person. You're thinking Kevin Hard or Jerry Seinfeld. Like there's some image of right. that. And so oftentimes people that use humor have to fight through the baggage that mm -hmm. folks bring along with humor because some folks were picked on as a kid. And so now that makes them, if we're laughing at someone, it makes them remember when I was a kid, people teased me and folks laughed at me. So I will never yep. let like, Hey man, you have to separate that stuff. They, those yep. folks, they were mean. They shouldn't have done that to you, but that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy right. laughter in a Christian context, in a professional setting, yep. in any setting, I think a uh, humor, appropriate humor, is is very needed. I, I I've been asked to speak at middle schools, and one of the first things I'll tell the students, 
I'll say, hey, man, your teacher lies to you often. And <laughs> everybody's like, what? <laughs> like, the teacher's always lying. Because I'm like, something happens in the class that's very funny. Somebody says something that's funny. First thing your teacher says is, that's not funny. But <laughs> they leave the class and they go tell another adult <laughs> what funny thing happened in class. Uh -huh. I talk to them about the appropriateness of humor versus, yep, you know, just being comedic and humorous all the time there's an appropriate time and place for for, for for humor right right so you know as a comedian as speakers just wondering your take on this do you uh do we make people laugh do we help people laugh you know i'm I was always just curious about you know that process you know yeah that's a, great, that's a great question uh, i'm a big fan of michael jr michael jr mm had shifted his perspective of he's offering an opportunity for people to laugh. And I think that's a great position in terms of the, the position of mm. service, but I'm, com I'm competitive. I make people laugh. I, I, I am coming <laughs> to take your laughter. If you're in my show, I want you to sit there and try not to, I'm coming for you. You're not. No, but no, I, I do think <laughs> I love that. I, I do. I'm looking at the crowd. And I'm like, oh, uh -huh. you haven't laughed once. OK. Uh -huh. All right. Mr. Blue shirt guy. <laughs> You're on my radar. Talk about my kids. Right. That's they, right. You know, you, you, this is going to get you, you know, so. That's right. But yeah, I do think that having especially from how we do our business, you know, we're mm. doing our business to help uh, leaders grow, help leaders communicate better. We want folks to um, uh, amplify their message by using techniques to help them. So I think we have a different posture than uh, someone who wants to be famous and someone who mm. wants to say name and lights and someone whose yep. goal is to, you know, do do things that bring notoriety and and prestige to their self and i think there's a balance you know i want the same thing i want to be able to sell tickets i want folks to um recognize me and i want to be uh i want to be respected for my craft but i do think that as we go in this with the gift i think that there uh becomes an opportunity for you to reflect on how are you going to dispense it are you mm. going to be a person that uses this and it helps to edify people and build yes. people up yeah. and inspire people. And I, I think that's where the like-mindedness of what, mm. what you're doing and what I do, we desire to do those things. So we do want to give people an opportunity to laugh, but I'm going to come get your laughs if you don't. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, if you don't want to move, I'm going to help move you along. <laughs> I remember once I was speaking to a high school and, you know, you know, the bleachers and boy, what a tough crowd, you know, they're just like, oh, great in assembly. And I'm telling my best story, you know, my best friend's mom vacuumed up a bird and she's screaming, you know, their pet bird, you know, like this story right, always kills. Right. And I look right in the middle of the bleachers and there's this, you know, 16 year old guy, shaggy hair, and he's like sleeping, you know, cuddled with his girlfriend. And I thought, Okay. All right. I'm not going to win out with a, a bird being sucked up like here. You know, I'm done. But yeah, that's hey, right. Speakers, if you want to damage your self-esteem, <laughs> go talk to a group of high school students. 
sign yourself up right for communication boot camp if you really <laughs> want to know yep <laughs> if you have what it takes uh now, so, don't go to like the don't go to like the high school where they have like english and ela ela, ELA <laughs> they got all these different subjects now. yeah go to the trade go to like Go to carpentry and masonry <laughs> and welding. Go talk to those students. <laughs> See if your message resonates. <laughs> yeah, they'll make you work for it. Oh. You will uh. not be given cheap laughs. You're going to earn every laugh. I love listening to other comedian speakers You know, talk about their process and their work ethic and how they, you know, deliver material. I was listening to Nate Bargatze the other day on his podcast. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure out like how in the world, you know, I, I communicate, but you know, I, I, I don't do what you do like to be able to, you know, keep people engaged through this stream of laughter. What goes into right. your process as you're developing your material as you're, you know, is it just this continual, you're on the lookout for you know, I got to remember that. I'd love to love to just kind of take a peek inside of your process. That's a great question. So I'm, I'm going to try to give you a, a, a tiered kind of how I've, I've evolved into where I am. So initially, I did not even think about the audience. I was mm. doing a lot of bad things when I would get up. I would get up. I would think about material on the way to an event, and I would lead off with that material. Mm. Like, that was the worst. I would do that. <laughs> I would also look over people's heads like I never made eye contact mm. I was kind of talking at the at the audience and not to the audience and I, I did this for a while I did this for like two years like I yep I, I was I was doing just well enough to keep going because I yep. knew I enjoyed doing it and I am a great writer like I can create I, the material was 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 good yep my, my performance was awful so mm. I think that's one of the things that I had to realize that the material and the performance are two different things. Yeah. Now your material can be so strong that it 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 becomes the performance. Yeah. Or your performance can be so amazing that the material's not as great. Like mm. like so you can play that game of you know the 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 three card Monty, right? You you right. moving and we like I see it, but I know something's not right about this. Like it's not <laughs> Something's pulling the wool over my eyes, but what I I think what I desire to to be the type of performer is that my tier, my material and my performance are married, so they're both excellent. So mm. laughing at what I'm saying and how I've constructed this these material, these jokes, these jokes, but you're also looking at my facial expression and my 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 pauses. And when I move and how I move. Mm. So I think that I think that those are parts that I don't necessarily remember a lot of folks talking to me about performance and material. Mm. Like they just said, just keep getting on stage. Like that yeah. was the advice yeah. that I was given when I started. It was like, hey, just get on stage. Yep. Like, hey man, uh, how'd you get to sell out tickets? Oh, you just get get on stage. Mm. And, uh, how, how do I get more? booking opportunities yeah just get on stage yeah um, i'm interested in getting management yeah just just get on stage so that was the answer <laughs> right <laughs> i was like when we were kids robitussin everything hey, <laughs> get, get you run robitussin we got a headache oh it's a robitussin <laughs> so like that yeah. was the answer to everything and so i think i realized at some point 
that the performance is important and the audience is important. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a young comic yesterday and my performance greatly improved when I realized that Mike Goodwin was not sitting in the audience. So Mm. oftentimes I was writing to my sensibility. Now, I think you need to think your material is funny, but you need to recognize that this audience is not you. And so Mm. that... I, I, I have this obscure reference sense of humor. You know, I have this off the beaten path. I laugh at things that most folks wouldn't necessarily find funny. So I'm right. I'm trying to write in that vein. And it's like, hey, man, you're doing too much. Like, 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 like bring this back. Yep. And, and let's communicate. So I think the first thing that I realized about the the act or the art of it was realizing that material was one thing mm. and the performance was another thing. Then the other side of it was realizing that I'm having a conversation, but the other side's not necessarily talking back. So mm. that's the posture of how I approach it. Yeah. As if I'm just talking to some friends. If I, So it, it doesn't seem bizarre that I'm standing in front of a hundred people or a thousand people or whatever the number is, I'm having a conversation. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm communicating my thoughts, my opinions, and they're funny. Like, I, I think that uh, especially for folks that are Christians or folks that have a faith, uh, a, a component to what they do. I've often seen sometimes people have been more faithful than funny. And mm. it's like, if you want to be a comedian, then don't, you got to be funny. Like, that's the... <laughs> That's the litmus test. Like, yeah. But I've, I've seen, you know, folks that begin to bomb and like, well, let me share my testimony. No, no, no. That's not, that's not why we brought you here. We right. You here right. For some jokes. <laughs> so so uh, those, those are components of, of, of how I create. Now, yeah. I, I do the standard stuff. I, I have a notebook. I put, I put bits in. I try to spend um at least 2 hours a day when i'm when i'm being diligent yeah. to review the things that i take my sets so i take my sets and then i'll go back over those those uh sets and then i'll work i'm constantly working on material even even material that i've been doing i maybe i may have a new angle there may mm. be a new way to come at it and and so i'm i'm constantly i'm always tinkering with my sets yes. so my set won't be the same, even though there's some similar elements in it. Right. Right. So, uh, I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, I, a couple months ago, I just decided, okay, I'm going to go, you know, try to, try to do a five minute, you know, open mic night. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of put together my best stuff and I'm like, okay, you know, and, and I've, you know, spoke long enough that I can keep within certain time parameters and all that. What I wasn't prepared though, I wasn't prepared because, you know, I just went to a regular comedy club. Right. And the, the level of, I don't know how how else to say it, but just the level of filth and, and, and dirt, I, I was like, I was like, I, I laugh, like I laugh at, you know, like that's where she said jokes and all that. But it yeah, was like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a whole yeah. different world. Like how have you, I'm sure you've had to, you know, perform in a bunch of places where you're like, oh, it kind of bumps up against like, what's that like for you? Or, or have you just steered clear? How, yeah. Walk us through that. Yeah. I immerse into it. Right. So I am the guy that, so in, in Columbia, the scene, we don't have a real, we have a scene, 
but it's not a scene where it's thriving and, and comics are co collaborative and it, it it's a scene I, I don't you know I often describe things as healthy or unhealthy mm. I, I don't know if it's, a, it's it's not unhealthy but it's not the most healthy scene either so right but the way I started was I started in churches so I started working uh, opening for a guy by the name of, of Akintunde, he's a Christian comedian. Well, he was a secular guy that had given his life to the Lord, and he joined my church. So I spent kind of the first four years of my career under his tutelage, and he was like, no clubs. Like, he, mm. no clubs. We do we do church venue. Even if the place is so alcohol, he's like, no. <laughs> so I had that experience. And, but I always was like, hey, man, what's going on over there? Like, I yeah. always <laughs> was kind of looking over there, like, <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> like, I want to go to regular school. Home school is great, but I want to <laughs> mix it up <laughs> with all the kids, right? So I, I had that, I had that uh, disposition. So I think by the time I got over to the club, I appreciated the opportunity of freedom in terms of, uh, what you can talk about, because even in church context, there's limited things you can talk about, even if it's not vulgar, like right. maybe even if it's not right, uh, 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 you know, offensive. It just there, there's there's levels of like, hey man, let's yep. kind of keep it, let's just kind of keep it safe. Yep. Right. So over there, I could take a little bit more risk. I could be a little bit more provocative, if that's you know that's the word, yeah. but it, it it's just regular. It's just regular ideas and thoughts. Right, just real life and stuff. So exactly. Like being a father, being a husband, like the re like the real of it. <laughs> like me and my wife had this disagreement in the church. You know, people like, hey, that's not kind of like no, like, yeah. It happened for 22 years. Come on, man. What are you talking about? Right. This, 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 we are disagreeing now. Like we are in the midst <laughs> of a disagreeing season. We like saying seasons in church. <laughs> This is a season of disagreement. <laughs> 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 Nobody will have those, they'll talk, they'll talk about those seasons. But what I realized over, uh. over there was when I got up, you know, I don't curse, right? So for them to see a, a like a like a excellent comedian, and, I, and I'm practicing, like so I'm in in I'm at open mics, like shooting with my left hand, like I'm mm. trying things out. So these new comics that are, you know, sacrilegious are just saying whatever most most yeah. foul and dark thing they can say. They have to watch me do seven minutes of like <laughs> I'm talking about board games, but it's funny. <laughs> it's right. undeniably fun. Like it's funny, and I have a presence about myself, and I'm and I'm navigating through this room and somebody yells out something at me. I'm like, hey, man, in the past your bedtime, buddy. And I keep on going. With... <laughs> so I can even like deal with hecklers and not be offensive yep. and derogatory. And so I think that it's been a benefit for me to go in that in, in, in that area and see. Now, the, the challenge for me is I, I need to see excellent work. Sometimes I go and I'm like, man, this is. Oh yeah, like I could yeah. just stayed at home, man. Yeah, like, this is bad. yeah. <laughs> but I've also had folks reach out and say, "Hey, man," and and want to have some you know further conversations about things of substance and things that matter. And I think it gives other people that may be doing comedy a different way 
a vision of like, oh, I can't do this without cursing. Or I could be a Christian and be okay with being a Christian in the open mic scene. So yep. I think that uh, I get it. I understand like um, you have to be girded up. Like you yeah. really, you just can't be in there all willy nilly. Like you, yeah. you need to come with, uh, and, and I, I, I went in the army after high school. And so I spent four years active duty and field artillery. And mm. I think that four years, there's nothing life throws at me that I just can't kind of navigate from right. that experience. It prepared that you, yeah. Yeah, that experience <laughs> has given me kind of an advantage of whatever the scenario. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I'm on tour buses and we're, we're sleeping in the little bunk part and people are like, well, how was your, man, I was in the army, man. You think I care about <laughs> sleeping on a tour Right, bus? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. Even and even being in those rooms, like I in the military, the conversation, I'm like, oh man, this just guys in the motor pool having discussions. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think on number one level, I uh give I give light, right? I bring yep. light mm. to a place that is very uh minimal light. Very yeah. minimal light. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to befriend folks. I try to have the hey man. You know, man, great set. Like I, I'm really just trying yeah, to be the guy there. that, folks, hey man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a team player. On I'm a part of this community. So I love it. I, just I love do it. Different than how you do it, but I'm still a part of this community. Yeah, I, I know this is a, a you know big giant question, um, and so, but I, I just would love to know what it was like when you walked out from behind stage. And you're walking out on stage, and America's Got Talent, you know. And there's Simon, and you know right. how, you know, like what was like what was just going through? Like was were you, you know? Oh, I, I just love to know. So the the most jarring part of it was the morning walkthrough. So they bring you over <laughs> the morning of, and so up, you know, I had one of those experiences that I kind of felt like I was kind of being brought to the front of the line, so to speak. I finally mm. felt like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll be fine. You know, I just, I, I don't think it really landed on me until I was at the actual mm. taping that, oh, man, I could <laughs> go home. Like, yeah, I think about it, it, it's similar to like a, uh, the I think about it like the March Madness, right? And so you have these 64 teams. I, in my brain, I'm thinking I'm a one or two seed, right? Like, mm. I, I'm thinking... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to get through these first couple of rounds and then yeah. we'll have some tough games. In the, but, you know, so I had that disposition until that morning and then they walk you up to the stage and there's, there's a star that you got to go and stand on. Mm. So when I went and stood on the star, I was like, oh, <laughs> and then they're explaining to you, okay, if you hear a buzzer, keep going. Like, it takes three, you know, you can still make it through with, with three yeses and one no. Yeah, and I was like, I can get a no like that. <laughs> it, started, it started to formulate. Oh, yep. I can get a no. Yeah. And so that was very uh, disjointing, this, this, uh, disalarm, this, disalarming to me. Just like, oh, this is real. Right? right. So then when I came back that evening to do the actual event, the guy in front of me murdered. They, oh. He murdered. And I don't know how much I can divulge because I signed all these NDAs. But yeah. This person murdered. It was unexpected. And he destroyed, he destroyed to where the people were chanting his name <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I'm next. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had to take a five minute like intermission because wow. this guy had murdered so great. Like it was just electric. Yeah. And he was doing that. He was not doing anything close to what I was doing. Like <laughs> yep. he had prop <laughs> and he was doing things. I like, I, I could throw the microphone from hand to hand. <laughs> I, I, I literally thought I could, kind of, but I was like, no, they may edit. You know? uh -huh. like, so I'm watching this guy just destroy the stage. And so mm -hmm. whatever nervousness I had, it was done. Cause I yep. was like, Hey man, I had a good run. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. Is it. So I kind of went it. I went out with, I had, I had nothing to lose. I, yep. they, they just watched these folks just watched the most amazing performance. Yep. And so Similar if you're on a, a comedy show and somebody kills in front, you just want to ride that wave. So you yep. want to jump on and continue on that wave. So went, once I got out there, and I and I even in my set, I, I didn't feel great about my first 30 seconds. Like mm. I, the first 30 seconds was kind of a bridge to get me to. So I did a bit about nursery rhymes. Right. <laughs> so the first 30, I, it was just get it was just buying me time. It yep. was like a it's like a quarterback in the pocket. <laughs> you know this is going to be a long developing play, but if I can stay in the pocket, like th we can throw a touchdown or at yep. least get some significant yardage out of this. Yep. So that was kind of my position, and I was wow. in that pocket, and it wasn't. I didn't feel good. It did any. I think Simon even said something that, did, and when he reviewed my performance, he said, "You know, you started off a little slow, but." And I hit a spot, you know, yeah. once I got to that nursery rhyme stuff, I yeah. was, I was gone. So I think right. that's just, and it's comedy, right? So right. at that point in my life, I've not done it in front of judges in that manner. I hadn't done right. it on national television, but right. I've done this, what, what I'm doing a million times. Like I've walked out in front of people with a microphone and started talking. Yep. So once I started doing that, I, I was very comfortable. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, hey, this this conversation today has been so incredibly helpful. I know that it will lift and bring so much joy and some really practical help some people. I just wanted, you know, uh, just to remind our audience, like, you know, you are going to be at our conference, the Speakers Conference in March. And yeah. I just wondered if, you know, you you just do an invite to people, you know. Hey, like, <laughs> come out this March to the Speak with People conference it's gonna be incredible i'm gonna be there i think albert tate's gonna be there yep. there's gonna be some other people that's gonna be there and they're gonna be tremendous too i'm looking forward to it i'm gonna share with you i'm thinking i'm, I'm working on some things but it's the idea around laughter is like a good medicine or leadership mm. and laughter it's gonna be very tangible very entertaining and, and very practical things that you can walk away with that will make you a more polished, humorous, and engaging speaker. And we would love to see you. And I would love to high five you, shake your hand, hug, whatever, however you engage. But I'm gonna, I'm coming and I'm so excited for the invitation. I can't wait to see you in March. Well, fantastic. Hey, a couple of rapid fire questions. I'll let you go. Uh, yeah. Have you had a favorite place to speak, like a favorite venue, uh, you know, to perform? Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Maybe, maybe not, not venues, audiences. I love date nights, like mm. date night comedy nights yeah. are like 
number one probably, but women's events, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a strong number two. Like women, <laughs> women yeah. have a good time. They know how to have the girl, girls' night out, whatever they call it. <laughs> have me in. I, I I enjoy those. I love it. Do you have an absolute favorite comedian? Like this is the person you just you just love to listen to. Yes, but you can't say his name, so I call him <laughs> Phil Fosby. You know, that's the guy. <laughs> Niels Mosby was. <laughs> yep, I get it. <laughs> the Heathcliff Huxtable. <laughs> Jello pudding. Phil Fosby show. <laughs> uh, last question. Where is one place on earth you would love to visit with your wife? Paris. All right. All right. I love it. Well, Thank you, Michael Goodwin. Just so appreciate you joining us today, your vulnerability, your transparency, and just uh, helping us. Like This was truly incredible. And I know this is going to help a lot of people. Um, oh, Mike, where can we find you on social media, website, all that kind of stuff? Right. On social media, I'm at uh, Comedian Mike Goodwin on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Bowtie Comedy. I I'm not really on Twitter. Like I, I got a residence over there. I go and check the mail, but I'm not, I'm not home. Okay. I just got a P.O. box. I have a P.O. box over at Twitter. But if you want to like engage with me, I'm over at Instagram and awesome. Facebook. And awesome. you can meet me there. I actually, and I actually have a, a podcast called the uh, Best Advice Ever podcast where you can, can check me out. Awesome. Um, and we'll, all the places that podcasts are found. I love it. We'll post all of that in our show notes so you can find all of those. Thank you so much for being a part. Again, just a reminder to you, uh, you're invited. If you speak from stages, you deliver presentations, you influence from behind a camera, uh, we would love for you to be a part of the Speakers Conference. It's March 21, 23 in beautiful Clearwater Beach. Our, our ocean, our hotel's right on the ocean. So you can walk the ocean before, you can watch the beach before uh, we join for our sessions. You can hang out on the beach at lunch. I mean, it's just incredible, especially if you live up north and you need some warm weather. Go to thespeakersconference.com. Again, this podcast exists because words matter and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one -on -one and a team from a stage behind a screen, we hope to this time challenged you and encourage you to choose words that matter and to communicate in healthy ways. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.